Good evening, my dear friends and curious souls. Welcome to Mysteries After Dark, a horror podcast. My name, you may wonder. Just think of me as your old grandpa, spinning tales from a time long gone, and some from not so distant past. In my younger days, my grandkids would crowd around me, their eyes wide in anticipation or fear, eager for the evening's gruesome tales. Now I extend this tradition, this gift to you. So pull up a chair, stoke that fireside, and let the shadows dance on every corner of the room. Let's journey together into the heart of darkness, where we unmask the unseen, discover forbidden secrets, and unburden the forgotten tales of the past. So dim the lights, my friends, and let's delve into the mysteries that emerge only after dark on our wonderful, unnerving journey. Dear podcast, I am compelled to share an experience, a fragment of my childhood that has clung to me for years, as vivid now as it was then. This is not just a tale of a fleeting shadow or an unexplained noise. It's about the day my sister and I saw something truly inexplicable. We were kids back then, living our carefree lives in a small city nestled in the southern reaches of Ohio. Behind our cozy house lay an alley, and across that alley, an old dilapidated shed stood guard before an equally abandoned house. The shed was a mysterious beacon for us children. Its aged wooden walls and dusty windows promised hidden treasures and secret stories. My older sister, always the brave one, and our neighbor, a boy around our age, joined me in countless escapades. The shed became our unofficial clubhouse, a place where our imagination ran wild amongst old boxes filled with books, whose pages whispered tales of yesteryear and dishes that had once held family feasts. But among these remnants of domestic life was something peculiar, an incongruous small bed tucked in a corner, complete with linens and blankets. The bed's condition changed from day to day. At times it was pristine, the sheets pulled tight and the pillows fluffed, as if awaiting a guest in a hotel. Other days, it bore the unmistakable signs of use, the blankets tangled, an indentation of a body still haunting the mattress. We often speculated about another person sneaking into our secret hideaway. One afternoon, our curiosity led us to the old car parked inside the shed a relic from a bygone era with step sides and a windshield that could be cranked open. Climbing onto the sidestep for a better look seemed like an excellent idea, driven by the same adventurous spirit that had brought us to the shed time and time again. There in the back seat of that vintage car lay a figure, a lady stretched across the seat. Her presence was as real to us as our own breaths fogging up the window. In our shock, we clambered off the sidestep hearts racing with a mix of fear and disbelief. Barely daring to breathe, we gathered our courage for one more glimpse. Yet when we looked again, the back seat was empty, no sign of any lady. Our young minds were troubled by what we had seen. We sought comfort and explanation from our mother, who dismissed it with a simple wave of her hand and attributed it to our active imaginations. But my sister and I knew what we saw, we had shared the vision, clear and unmistakable. Years slipped away like pages on a calendar. Life marched on with its usual blend of joy and sorrow. Yet the memory of that day remained unaltered by time's passage. 
It was 20 years later when I broached the subject with my sister, half expecting her recollections to have faded or altered. Yet her response was immediate and firm. She remembered not just the car, but also the mysterious lady within. Now, as I recount this story to you, I am struck by the clarity with which these events are etched in my memory. The image of that lady remains as enigmatic as ever. Was she merely a figment of two children's vivid imaginations? Or had we truly seen something beyond our understanding? I leave you with this story as a puzzle to ponder, an enigma wrapped in the innocence of childhood curiosity. Perhaps your listeners will find in it a touchstone for their own mysterious encounters or simply enjoy the tale of two children who stumbled upon something inexplicable. Thank you for allowing me to share this piece of my past with you. To the esteemed hosts of the podcast, I'm reaching out with a personal account that I believe will resonate with your listeners, one that involves uncanny occurrences during my childhood visits to my cousin Amber's house. Given your interest in the paranormal, I trust this story will find a place in one of your upcoming episodes. From when I was around nine until I was 13, I frequently spent time at Amber's family home, a two-story dwelling that exuded an ominous presence, particularly on the upper level. Amber is now 21 and has since moved out, but the memories of what transpired there are as vivid as if they occurred yesterday. I am now 16, and the intervening years have done little to diminish the clarity of these eerie recollections. Amber and I shared a bond closer than typical cousins, and my stays at her house were frequent. The upper floor held a heavy, unsettling atmosphere, with Amber's room being the epicenter of inexplicable phenomena. A distinct sensation of being watched was nearly palpable, and I recall instances of hearing breathing sounds when no one else was present. This was not a figment of my youthful imagination, as Amber and other family members reported similar experiences. One night, etched permanently in my memory, I awoke to a chilling sight. In the dimness, there appeared to be a figure standing near the bed where Amber and I slept. It was an image that brought about an instinctive surge of fear. Amber later confided that she too had witnessed such apparitions on more than one occasion. My apprehension about being alone on that upper floor was well-founded. On a day like any other, tasked with retrieving some clothes Amber had set aside for me, I ascended the stairs. Yet, as I descended with the items in hand, the door to her room slammed shut with a force that seemed unaided by any draft or natural cause. Overcome by terror, I lost my footing and tumbled down the remainder of the staircase in a frantic escape attempt. Another incident occurred while I was tasked with babysitting Amber's younger brother, Hayden. With just the two of us in the house, the serenity was shattered by the ice dispenser on the fridge, spontaneously engaging, spewing ice onto the kitchen floor without provocation. Later that evening, around 11 p.m., another thunderous door slam resonated from upstairs. Hayden and I were petrified by the cacophony. His fear mirrored my own. With no other recourse, I phoned my father to whisk us away from the unsettling environment. Hayden's aversion to the upper level persists to this day. Now nine years old, he staunchly refuses to venture upstairs or sleep in his designated bedroom there. His steadfast avoidance is understandable, given that he has never once slept there alone, 
My resolve has hardened over time. I am determined to never find myself alone in that house again, particularly not upstairs. The chilling history of Amber's encounters with an Ouija board in her room adds another layer to this tale. She confessed to me that post-interaction with the board, she dreamt of a previous inhabitant, a girl who met her end through drowning in the bath. Subsequent attempts by Amber to store the board away were thwarted by its inexplicable reappearance on her bedroom floor, outside of its box. Dear Podcast, I'm writing to share an eerie experience that befell me and my friends one Halloween night. This isn't a tale I recount lightly. Even years later, the memory sends shivers down my spine. It was October 31st, 2004, a night when the barrier between worlds is said to be at its thinnest. Halloween, with its capacity for the uncanny and the supernatural, was the perfect backdrop for what was to come. At the time, I was but a 13-year-old, buoyed by the reckless courage that comes with youth. My friends, Josh, Ryan, and Jacob, and I had hatched a plan that would firmly etch that night into our memories. As the witching hour approached, we each slipped from our houses, our hearts thrumming with a mix of excitement and fear. We converged at the entrance of our local park, the moon hanging heavy and full in the sky. Its silvery light was so intense that additional illumination was unnecessary. We had chosen our spot with a kind of misguided reverence, a pentagram painted upside down on the abandoned concrete. The symbol seemed to beckon us with an invisible pull. We unfolded the Ouija board, laying it upon the pentagram's center, unaware that we were on the cusp of something unfathomable. The planchette sprang to life with such abruptness it startled us all. None had posed a question, yet it moved with purpose, spelling out a phrase that would haunt us. I can see you. Our laughter was tinged with nerves. We mocked this unseen presence with a bravado we did not feel. We called it names, taunted it, acts of foolish provocation. The planchette's dance became frenetic, its message an unending loop. I can see you. Then, as suddenly as it had begun, it stopped. Its silence was more terrifying than its movements. When it stirred again, it was with a slow, deliberate command. Stand up and look at me. Convinced this was an elaborate jest meant to frighten us, we stood and scanned the darkness. There, not far off, stood a man, or so it seemed. His form was cloaked in shadows, but his outline was unmistakably human. I called out to him, my voice trailing off into the night. There was no response before he vanished quicker than a thought. Panic took hold as we realized our folly. We had invited something into our midst, something powerful and indifferent to our remorse. The planchette moved again, Look up. We did, and for an instant, it seemed as though something vast and swift passed over the moon itself. Chaos erupted. Josh and Jacob gave voice to their fear with expletives that cut through the night. I snatched the Ouija board, instinct urging me to flee. Something then struck a nearby tree with such force that branches trembled and leaves fell like rain. Our flight was frantic, propelled by a terror that lent us speed. We didn't stop until we were safely within my home. There we stayed, 
Eyes cast upward until dawn's light granted us reprieve. Four years have passed since that night. I'm 17 now and far more cautious of things I don't understand. My friends still dabble with the Ouija board despite our shared ordeal, tempting fate and angering whatever listens on the other side. But none of us can forget that Halloween. We carry it with us always. This story is as true as my recollection allows. It stands as a testament to unseen forces and the youthful folly of challenging what lies beyond. Dear Podcast, I must share with you an experience so chilling. It clings to the edges of my memory like the remnants of a haunting dream. My name is irrelevant, but my age might give context to the innocence with which I encountered the supernatural. I am merely 11 years old. It was at my grandmother's abode, a quaint house brimming with the aroma of age and secrets, where my tale begins. You see, my grandmother's living room was once graced with an old rocking chair, which, as legend within our family has it, moved of its own accord each night at the stroke of 2 a.m. This phenomenon seemed to coincide with an inexplicable chill that often prompted my grandmother to murmur prayers under her breath, her belief in spiritual presences unwavering. Driven by a youthful curiosity that perhaps bordered on obsession, I found myself delving into ghost stories daily. The digital world was my treasure trove of eerie tales, fueling my desire to one day witness an apparition myself. Little did I know that my wish was on the cusp of being granted. One fateful night, my cousin Annabelle and I embarked on a covert operation. With hearts pounding and the cloak of darkness as our ally, we stationed ourselves in the living room. The clock ticked menacingly towards the witching hour, and yet no specter made its presence known. Disappointment weighed heavily upon us as Annabelle succumbed to slumber's call. I alone remained vigilant, a sentinel in the quiet night. Time crept past as my eyes fought the urge to close. Then at the destined hour of 2 a.m. it happened. A force, invisible yet undeniably present, bore down upon me with a weight so oppressive I found myself gasping for air. Panic clawed at my chest as I struggled beneath the unseen entity. And then it was gone. In its wake stood a silhouette, ethereal and fleeting. A young woman's figure imprinted upon the darkness before vanishing into nothingness. Morning light brought with it a sense of normalcy, but my tale was met with skepticism when relayed to Annabelle. Her disbelief pained me until corroboration came from another cousin. She recounted her own chilling encounter with what we believed to be the same spirit, a woman who once called our grandmother's house her home and whose life had ended within its walls. The veracity of our experiences was solidified by our grandmother's reaction to my cousin's terrified scream during her ghostly encounter. With swift concern etched upon her face, she rushed to her granddaughter's side as if no stranger to such disturbances. The tale of that night has embedded itself within our family lore, a spectral chapter that began on May 30th, 2003. It is a story that binds us together, a shared brush with the otherworldly that lingers in our collective memory. I write to you now not in search of validation, but with the hope that others might find solace in knowing they are not alone in their encounters with the unknown. What we experienced may never fully be understood, 
yet it remains an indelible part of our history. Thank you for allowing me to share this story with you and your listeners. May it serve as a reminder that sometimes, the veil between our world and the next can grow thin enough for us to glimpse what lies beyond. Dear Podcast, Navigating through the echoes of the past, I write to share with you a series of peculiar events that have unfolded within the walls of my childhood home, where I've lived for over 15 years. As I recount these occurrences, I request your anonymity to preserve my privacy amidst these chilling experiences. It was around the tender age of nine or ten when my perception of reality first wavered, marked by an incident that remains vivid in my memory. A friend had come over for a sleepover, and as children do, we spent the evening in high spirits, our laughter reverberating through the basement of my house. The night took an unforeseen turn when I ascended the stairs for reasons now lost to time. On my return, something inexplicable occurred. I stumbled and fell, tumbling down about half a dozen steps. However, this was no mere misstep. I felt hands upon my back, pushing with a force that defied any rational explanation. Dazed at the bottom of the staircase, I glanced upwards, searching for my sister or another culprit only to be met with an enigmatic figure. It possessed no tangible form, but appeared as a blur against the backdrop, distorting reality in its vicinity. My friend soon appeared, concerned by the commotion, but as quickly as it had manifested, the figure dissolved into nothingness. Weeks passed with a semblance of normalcy, until once again I found myself alone at home. A mundane task led me to the garage in pursuit of a soda, as I crossed the threshold, an unfamiliar sound captured my attention, a noise emanating from the attic above. Attentive and curious, it became apparent that these were footsteps pacing erratically overhead. Summoning courage, I called out into the void, met with a momentary silence before an onslaught of noise charged towards the attic door. Panic set in as I fled back into the safety of my home and out into the open air vowing not to return until accompanied by others. Time marched on and with it, the entity in my home began to reveal itself more boldly. Its stature was imposing, a towering presence that would stand at 6'6 or 6'7 and weigh between 250 to 300 pounds if it were of this world. Its complexion was uniformly pale as parchment, contrasted by a crown of jet black hair. The first encounter with this newfound appearance occurred last summer after an evening out. As I fumbled with my keys at the door, a colossal white figure emerged within the confines of my home, visible through the sidelight windows. Terror-stricken, I shouted for it to leave me be, and strangely enough, it complied, retreating from whence it came. Once inside, I sought refuge behind the locked door of my bedroom, though I knew deep down that such barriers held no power over this entity. The apparition seemed to relish in its mischief, particularly at my expense. It would conceal objects only to reveal them elsewhere and had a particular affinity for meddling with electronics. On one such evening with friends gathered in the basement, we were startled by loud thuds from above. An investigation ensued despite our trepidation. All cats accounted for outside negated any natural explanation. Together with my friend Cody, we scoured the first floor, 
and then proceeded upstairs, where we encountered my mother's alarm clock blaring inexplicably at nine in the evening. An oddity indeed, as her preference for waking to radio rendered the alarm function unused. Afterward, once alone and tidying up on the first floor, I glimpsed its form crossing the hallway from the corner of my eye. It passed through a door leading to the garage, and in its wake left a coat hanger swinging violently on the closet door, an unsettling sight that had me reaching out to friends for an escape from my own home. To this day, countless experiences with this mysterious man leave me pondering his true nature, whether malevolent or simply mischievous remains unclear. Nevertheless, I find myself pleading with him regularly for peace, sometimes met with calm and other times not. This letter serves as both a chronicle of these haunting moments and a testament to their profound impact on my life. Dear Podcast, Sandra Wooding Lyman's encounter with the otherworldly stands as a testament to the unexplained mysteries that can haunt one's life. As a child of seven, in a nondescript house on Bel Torres Street in Bakersfield, California, Sandra's life took a turn towards the realm of the paranormal. The house, though ordinary in appearance, became the stage for inexplicable events that would instill a lifelong fear of the dark and unknown in her. From the very first night, Sandra sensed an eerie presence in her new home, an invisible entity that seemed to loom over her as she lay in bed. This presence was not content to remain unseen, as it made its existence known through actions that defied rational explanation. Nightly, it would yank the covers from her bed, leaving Sandra exposed and terrified. The darkness seemed to empower it, and even with a nightlight, Sandra found sleep elusive. The haunting did not limit itself to sensations of fear. Shadows would traverse the walls of Sandra's room, their origins indiscernible, their intentions unclear. Her siblings appeared unaffected by this spectral menace, particularly her six-year-old sister, who slept through the disturbances that terrorized Sandra night after night. The phenomena escalated with the television's glow, shadows becoming bolder, doors and cabinets operating of their own accord. A rocking chair, once still, took to rocking without a person to propel it. It became too much for young Sandra to bear. Acknowledging the traumatic effect these events were having on their daughter, Sandra's family eventually decided to leave the haunted house behind. But the scars of those experiences lingered. Even as they moved away from the Bakersfield home, Sandra's fear followed her. Her grandfather's residence, darkened and filled with memorial tributes to her late grandmother, seemed just as haunted. Her aunt's gothic lifestyle and peculiar bedroom decor did nothing to alleviate Sandra's fears. As an adult, Sandra sought help from a paranormal group hoping for some relief or explanation, but the sessions provided no closure. It was only through sharing her story that she hoped to confront and dispel the inner demons born from those childhood hauntings. My own experiences have led me to wonder about the nature of spirits and their potential interactions with our world. Can they use our stories as conduits to make themselves known? A personal anecdote involving my first wife and the late Jim Morrison suggests that such encounters are possible. 
Similarly, a dream about my deceased mother urging me to share my father's dangerous dealings with notorious gangsters implies that the dead may seek to communicate unfinished business through the living. It is within these notions that I find my purpose as a writer, to serve as a vessel for both the living and the deceased to tell their stories. Whether it is Sandra's haunting childhood or my father's brush with organized crime, these narratives deserve to be heard and remembered. Sincerely, Paul Dale Roberts. Dear Podcast, My tenure at the resort, which spanned from May 2003 to June 2005, was marked by a series of inexplicable events that remain vivid in my memory. As both the operations manager and the security supervisor, I had ample opportunity to witness firsthand the peculiar occurrences that seemed almost woven into the fabric of the property. My narrative is not mine alone. It is a tapestry of experiences shared by many of my colleagues, all of which paint a picture of a place where the ordinary flow of life is frequently interrupted by the extraordinary. The resort itself, nestled snugly in an undisturbed corner of countryside, was both idyllic and modern. Our guests would often comment on the seamless blend of nature and luxury, unaware of the undercurrents of mystery that staff members like myself encountered regularly. Our experiences began subtly, with instances that could be brushed off as mere forgetfulness or technical malfunctions. Lights that had been dutifully turned off by diligent staff would be found blazing brightly upon our return. This happened often enough that we began questioning whether we were truly alone when the last guest had retired for the night. The sounds of revelry emanating from an unoccupied suite became one of the more unnerving occurrences. The muffled laughter of men and women, the clinking of glasses, and the soft strains of music suggested a party in full swing. Yet each time we responded, keys in hand and trepidation in our steps, the suite would fall eerily silent the moment the door swung open. Inside, we'd find a room untouched by celebration, pristine and still in the silence that followed our intrusion. Phone calls from vacant rooms were not uncommon either. The front desk staff grew increasingly wary of these phantom calls. Each time they dispatched security to check, we would find rooms devoid of guests, the stillness within belying the electronic buzz that had summoned us there. The quiet mockery of these empty spaces left us with more questions than answers. Perhaps most unsettling was the silhouette, a human imprint, on beds in rooms that records confirmed as unoccupied. The housekeeping staff would often enter to prepare for incoming guests, only to find the undeniable evidence that someone, or something, had lain there before them. The Outer Health Club was another hot spot for inexplicable phenomena. Sounds of movement, weights being shifted on racks, equipment being used, would drift down to us from the second floor. Yet every investigation led us to deserted rooms, filled with unmoving machinery and the lingering scent of exertion. The noises would resume almost mockingly as soon as we descended the stairs, as if whatever was causing them waited for us to leave before continuing its unseen activities. The management's stance on these occurrences was one of tight-lipped denial or disinterest. They offered no explanations, 
preferring to maintain the resort's reputation as a haven of relaxation rather than acknowledge its growing notoriety for these strange happenings. In search of answers, we turn to outsiders, mediums who might shed light on the situation with insights beyond our understanding. Three such individuals walked through our doors over time, each with their own theories and methods. They spoke of energies and presences, of echoes from tragic events that had stained the very foundation upon which we worked. Their investigations always circled back to the same piece of history. During construction, two workers met their untimely demise, one in what is now the spa and another at the health club. It seemed more than coincidental that these were the very places where so much of our unexplained activity was concentrated. Despite not having clear answers, we found a kind of solace in these narratives that connected past to present. It gave context to our experiences and perhaps made them slightly less frightening, though no less intriguing. For those who seek more than just relaxation and are drawn to the mysteries of the unexplained, our resort holds an allure that goes beyond surface beauty. If you decide to delve into these mysteries for yourself, ask for Fred upon your arrival. He is our seasoned security guard who has been with us since the property was just architectural plans and ambition. His stories will lead you down paths less traveled by conventional guests into the heart of what makes our resort uniquely captivating. I look forward to hearing this story unravel through your podcast's narrative lens giving voice to our shared experiences and perhaps connecting us with others who have witnessed similar occurrences. Who knows what understanding might be gleaned from such a collective exploration? Dear podcast team, I'm reaching out to share an extraordinary encounter that recently unfolded, a narrative that might resonate with the eerie fabric of your show. My passion for the paranormal is not newfound. I've long been a connoisseur of the uncanny and the inexplicable. Yet despite my many ventures into places rumored to be haunted, true contact had always eluded me, until the other day. This tale begins with restlessness, that familiar itch for adventure that seems to strike most fervently when the night is deep and the world is quiet. My friend Alex and I were the protagonists of this night, two souls seeking a brush with the supernatural. As aficionados of ghost lore, our choice of destination was almost predestined. The local cemetery, an expanse of history and silence that had always welcomed us with open arms and closed lips. Until that night, it had never whispered back. With a symphony of crickets as our soundtrack, we meandered among the headstones, our footsteps careful and respectful. The cemetery was as familiar to me as my own reflection, yet I'd never felt fear within its borders. That night was different. As we walked, a sensation crept over me, a sudden chill that seemed to seep into my bones. It was then that I heard it, a low woman's voice, not through my ears but echoing within the confines of my mind. I came to a halt, a statue among the graves as Alex inquired about my sudden pause. What's wrong? he asked, his words slicing through the eerie calm that had settled around us. But I was no longer in step with our reality. The voice was insistent, intimate, as though it resonated from a place beyond the veil. She introduced herself as Georgia, her words tinged with the sorrow of ages gone by. 
Georgia spoke of her life, or rather her cessation thereof, in the 1860s. Her presence felt neither malevolent nor benign, it simply was. She conveyed an urgency, a need for us to seek out her resting place, which she claimed lay forgotten on the cemetery's far side. Then silence reclaimed its throne. The voice was gone as quickly as it came. I relayed the experience to Alex in hushed tones, my skepticism wrestling with the undeniable reality of what I'd heard. We became detectives of the dead that night, drawn by a story that refused to remain untold. With only moonlight to guide us, we scoured the cemetery's expanse, our search fueled by curiosity and a touch of dread. Time lost meaning as we searched, until at last we stumbled upon it, a plaque embedded in the earth, worn by time and the elements. The task of uncovering its secrets from beneath the layers of dust and decay felt almost sacrilegious, yet we persisted. Our efforts revealed an inscription. Georgia Ann, born 1821, died in 1860. A cold realization washed over us. The voice had been truthful. Fear is a peculiar sensation. It can paralyze or it can propel. That night it served as a catalyst urging our swift departure from the cemetery. As we retreated from Georgia's silent watch, questions swirled in my mind. Why had she reached out? What message from beyond had she intended to impart? Now I sit with pen in hand, or rather keys beneath fingertips, pondering the enigma of Georgia Ann. I find myself at an impasse of understanding, grasping for explanations within the intangible. I yearn for insight from others who have danced with shadows and conversed with echoes. Should this account pique your interest or stir your expertise, I implore you to share your thoughts. Any theories or information that could shed light on why Georgia chose that moment, why she chose me, these are pieces of a puzzle I am desperate to solve. Thank you for allowing me this platform to recount my experience, one that has undoubtedly altered the lens through which I view both life and death. Dear Podcast, I'm reaching out to share a personal story that has been part of my life for quite some time now, one that I've kept close to my chest until today. This is a tale of the unusual, a family connection that seems to transcend the boundaries of life and death, and a habit that's been with me through thick and thin, for better or for worse. I'll start by setting the scene with my grandmother, a woman whose frown lines were etched deeper every time she caught a glimpse of a cigarette. Her disdain for the habit was well known in our family circle, especially since my father was an avid smoker, a trait I seemed to have inherited. Her passing left a void in our family, one that was filled with memories and quiet whispers of her disapproval whenever the topic of smoking arose. Not long after her departure, I began to experience something peculiar. It wasn't an everyday occurrence, but it was frequent enough to unsettle me. Whenever I lit up a cigarette and took a moment to myself, it felt as though an invisible force was intervening. The cigarette would tremble between my fingers, shaking as if being jostled by hands unseen. At first I brushed it off as nerves or perhaps a trick of the wind, but the sensation persisted, growing more pronounced with each puff. 
During these strange episodes, I couldn't help but think of my grandmother. It felt as if she was still with us, reaching out from wherever she was to give me a stern reprimand, much like she used to do with my dad. The thought both comforted and unnerved me, creating a cocktail of emotions I found difficult to process. The incidents didn't stop there. On occasion, it was as if the cigarette was being snatched right from my grasp. It would be plucked from between my fingers and cast to the ground, leaving me staring in disbelief. Was this really happening? Or was it a mere figment of my imagination, spurred by the lingering guilt of going against my grandmother's wishes? This continued over the months that spanned between my grandmother's passing and my grandfather's. The occurrences didn't cease with his death. In fact, they seemed to intensify. It's been well over a year now since he passed away, and yet the phenomenon remains. It's infrequent but jarring when it happens. My smoke breaks are no longer just moments of personal vice, but potential encounters with the inexplicable. I've mulled over the possibility that this could be my grandparents' way of communicating with me, their way of telling me it's time to let go of this habit. The skeptic in me wonders if this is all just in my head, a concoction of grief and subconscious cues manifesting in physical reactions. The truth is, I'd love to have a conversation with them about it. To hear their voices once again would be a gift beyond measure. But I'm wary of reaching out through means like Ouija boards, especially after an unsettling experience I had with one roughly four or five years ago, an experience I plan to detail in a future update. For now, I hold these moments close, pondering their meaning and origin. Whether it's a message from beyond or a psychological response to loss and memory, it's become a part of my narrative, one that I'm finally ready to share with others. I'm curious to know what your listeners think about this situation. Could there be something more to these odd occurrences? Or is it merely the mind playing tricks on an individual grappling with loss and addiction? If anyone has had similar experiences or insights, I would be grateful to hear them. As promised, I'll be providing updates on this ongoing mystery and will soon share the tale of my past encounter with the Ouija board. For those who wish to reach out directly or share their thoughts privately, feel free to email me at wwffan 25 at aol.com. Thank you for taking the time to read my story. Your platform has always been a space for sharing the unexplained and engaging in thoughtful discussion. I hope my contribution can add to that tradition. Warm regards, Trisha. Well, my dear friends, we've reached the end of yet another winding path. As the evening knits the night, drawing its comforting darkness around us, we must part ways for now. You've traveled with me through unsettling alleyways of thought, and I hope our journey together has both enthralled and enchanted you, like a spider's web capturing the moonlight in its delicate dew-drenched threads. Until we meet again beneath the gossamer glow of the next moon, I urge you to keep your hearts open, your minds sharp, and your spirits daring. Remember, no star is ever out of reach and no mystery is ever too daunting to seek. This is your humble grandpa, turning the last page of our ebon-bound book for now. May your dreams be wistful, my friends. Farewell from Mysteries After Dark, a horror podcast, and tread softly into the night. <laughs>